Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Palm Sunday to you. Thanks, Julie. <laughs> We're glad you guys are here this morning. We're just wanting to uh, welcome everyone in, and we have some special things coming this morning, so we're excited about that, and we're just excited to see your faces here, and I hope you guys had a good week. Um, we thank you for praying along with us all week for the fire, and please continue to pray for that, and um, we're just excited to get started this morning, so we have a special treat for you this morning as we begin our worship.
to face the day in your presence all our fears are washed away sing that one more time because when we see we find strength to face the day in your presence all our fears are washed away they're washed away
job you guys isn't it so good to see them up here i love seeing them up there you guys did a great job you guys can go sit with your parents grab your palms you'll probably use those back with miss tracy later you can find your parents parents wave you have to you have to wave <laughs> you got it there you go they did a great job there's nothing more special than seeing our kids up here worshiping Jesus. Amen? Oh, that's the next generation coming up. Pray for them. We need to make sure we pray for them. So let's pray together. Let's start now, right? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time that we have with you this morning in remembering Palm Sunday. Lord, thank you for our little children. I pray, Jesus, that you will just penetrate their hearts that they will commit their lives to you. And Lord, I just pray that you'll protect them as you grow them up into amazing men and women for the kingdom and for you. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this service this morning. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. And we want you to feel welcome to move among us, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that, that our hearts are ready for you. And if they're not, that you'll start tilling the soil in there. And get us ready for your word. I pray as we worship you that we are just laying ourselves out at your feet. And Lord, I just thank you for this upcoming Holy Week. Father, I pray that as we head towards Easter Sunday and we remember what happened during that week leading up to it, Lord, that it won't be something that we do every year. It won't be something that we're numb to because we've done it so many times, but it will be very real. The fact that you went to, to the cross for us, Lord Jesus, we, we don't ever want to take that for granted. So thank you. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. And thank you, Jesus, for being willing to go. We love you, Lord, and we praise your name, and we thank you for this morning and what you're going to do. And we, we ask you to be with us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Would you uh, stand with me and turn to one another and say happy Palm Sunday and and welcome each other here today. We are glad you're all here.
Good morning, everyone. Happy Palm Sunday. I have a beautiful young helper up here, Jordan, whose birthday is tomorrow. Can you tell us, Jordan, how old you're going to be tomorrow? Seven. Oh, my goodness. Seven years old tomorrow. So she is going to be my helper this morning with a few announcements. And we first just want to welcome all of you and are so glad that you're here on this very special Palm Sunday. Thank you so much for coming. First of all, our, our, um, my helper is going to hold up the yellow bulletin, or, and she is going to hold that up so you can look to see if you remember to grab one of those. Our ushers are going to come around with extra ones. So raise your hand if you did not get one of our bulletins this morning. Raise your hand because there is such great information in there that you'll want to be sure and get one of those. We're going to also give you an opportunity to continue to give um, to our love offering for our Serbian missionaries. Jordan, tell us where Serbia is. On the other side of the world? Oh my goodness, yes. It is far, far away, isn't it? That was a total surprise. I, was, I didn't think she would, she would know how far away that is. But great job, yes. So Jim Rumsey's going to be heading there on a mission trip. And so we have an opportunity to send a love offering to our missionaries there, uh, Ben and Hannah Ponder. Um, and we want to be sure and bless them with a, with a love offering. And so you can give toward that love offering today, or you can give that online. Thank you so much for blessing them. We have in your bulletin invitation cards for Easter. Do you want to hold up that up so they can all see what is, what is on their Easter morning next week? We have an opportunity to invite friends, neighbors, folks that maybe don't have a church home. We can invite them to our Easter service here and our Easter events for our children next week. And it's going to uh, end in a big egg hunt right after the service. And we want to do that after the service so parents can take part in that. But this invitation is not for you to keep, but it, it is for you to give away. So grab that in your, out of your bulletin and be sure and give that to someone and invite them to come with you next week, Easter Sunday. Also, this uh, today begins Holy Week, a very sacred week that we want to be um, just drawing up close to the Lord and remembering, you know, his sacrifice, what he did for us. Um, and we are going to have some very special services, Monday, Thursday service. I don't know if you've ever been to a Monday, Thursday service, but it's going to be a very special service. And I invite you and your families to come. A nursery will be provided. Older kids can be right here in the service for that next Thursday at 630. And then we're going to invite you to fast with us if you would like to as a church family uh, for Friday during the day and end our fast together Friday evening with a simple meal and another service on Good Friday. Shelby's heading that up, and if you want to help with that, you can see her after the service. Also a nursery provided, but also a great opportunity for the older kids to take part in that Good Friday service. Also, I forgot about our connection cards. you want to hold that up? So in that bulletin is a connection card. This is how we stay connected with you. And uh, if you are visiting with us, just please take a minute 
and uh, fill in that connection card with your information, as much information as you would like to give us, and I'd be in, I'll be in touch with you this week. Uh, and on the back is an opportunity to write down any prayer requests that you would like us to be praying about. And we take those prayer requests seriously, and we lift them up to the Lord, and it's such a privilege to be able to pray with you um, anything that's heavy on your heart that you would like us to remember. So be sure and fill that out, and in just a few minutes, you can put that in the offering plate as it comes by. Also, this Lenten season, um, we're encouraging you to consider, to prayerfully consider sponsoring a child through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. Um, there's some child sponsorships brochure, uh, brochures that are scattered in the seat pockets there in front of you. Go ahead and take one of those home and pray about sponsoring a child. $30 a month. Um, ben and I have been privileged to be able to do that for many, many, many years. And uh, it was so interesting because our the, the latest child that we received from them looks so much like our youngest daughter. We just knew that it was that she was the one that we were supposed to be sponsoring. And also later on in the in the service, we will be dismissing the kids, so they'll be in here for worship in just a few minutes. So be sure and just hang on to that bulletin and check that out. There's a lot of great information uh, for you to look at and to get involved in and to invite others to join you. Pastor Scott's going to come and read the scripture for us today. We're going to read from out of Zechariah 9, 9 through 10, if you want to follow along. The coming of Zion's king. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the, the battle bow will be broken, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. If we could have the ushers come forward, we will go ahead and take this morning's tithes and offerings. You guys bow with me. Lord, we are mindful this week, today, of how much you gave for us. Our hearts and minds turn towards what's happening on Easter, but we can't forget about what happens on Good Friday and what happened today as we celebrate Palm Sunday. There's so much that you gave to us, Lord, that we live from out of, that we give from out of. I pray that you are with us in this time as we thoughtful of what we can give back to you in this time. Bless these tithes and offerings, Lord, I pray. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
we have a song that we're doing this morning that you may not remember because it's been a year. But I wanted to read a couple of the lyrics to you. There's a place where mercy reigns. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. There's a place where sin and shame are powerless. Can you imagine? Sin and shame are powerless. Oh, I can't wait. And where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness. We get both. We get it all. Just because I love you. He loved us that much. Then it says, here my hope is found. Here on hollow ground. Here is where I found it. So our hope is found in Jesus. And that's where our desperation turns to hope. Has anyone been desperate? Are you desperate for Jesus and what he's done and what he's going to do for you in this next days, years?
So you made a way across the great divide, left behind habits wrong to build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid the debt I owe, broke my chains, freed my soul for the first time.
Father, all our songs and all our sermons and all our efforts just seem to fall short. But we want to give you thanks today, God. Glory to your name. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace for your forgiveness, for how you've blessed us and helped us. Thank you, Father, for the gift of life, and especially for new life in you. Thanks for never giving up on us. Thanks for always pursuing us. Thanks for speaking to us and making yourself known to us. Thank you for your kindness and your patience. God, we believe in you today. We trust you. Help us to trust you more. Strengthen our faith. Brighten our hope. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done and are doing and will do for us. We give you praise and thanks today. Father, we bring our request to you today. We we pray for those in harm's way uh, just west of us. Pray for those fighting the fires. Uh, protect them. Keep them safe. Help them to contain that, even today. We think about uh, people across this country and around this world. We pray for those families in Nashville. We pro pray for those families in Mexico that have lost loved ones in that fire. We pray for those facing floods in California. We pray for those in Ukraine. We pray for those around the world. And God, it's so good to know that there's nowhere that you're not. We pray for your church around the world. And right here in Woodland Park, that wherever your church is, we would be that salt and light, those hands and feet of Jesus that you've called us to be we pray again for our kids. Thank you for them right here in this church family. Bless them and their parents, and grandparents. We just thank you for them. Well, God, we just thank you for this time together. It's been sweet already. And now, Lord, we pray that you give us ears to hear your word, hearts open to your work. You're working right now. God, help us to be open to it, me included. We pray that all in Jesus' name. And now let's pray that prayer the Lord Jesus himself taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
God is good, amen. You may be seated. Our kids can stand. I'm not seeing any flag-waving lady. That's because you're playing keyboards. When Tracy comes down off this platform, you kiddos can follow her back to uh, kids' church today. Thanks so much for waving palms and for singing for us. We love you guys a lot. Amen. Speaking of kids, I know at least one little girl who is practicing for her Easter egg hunt in Kansas City. We got a picture of that beautiful little girl. Oh, yeah. I'd like you to take your Bibles, and uh, if you're visiting with us today, that's my granddaughter. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke's Gospel, the good doctor's Gospel. Uh, chapter 19. And if you would, in your uh, bulletins, pull that Lenten insert out. I'm going to reference questions that I've gotten there uh, for this week ahead. Uh, These days especially, I hope we're always doing this, but these days especially, we're fixing our thoughts on Jesus. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because He is at the heart of Christian faith. Because he is the head of the church. Because here, he's the one we're following. Because he's the one we want to be like. Amen? I thought of the words of the Apostle Paul. It's not my text this morning in that letter to the Philippians. He says, for me to live is Christ. He says, whatever was to my gain, I now consider loss compared to the surpassing greatness of just knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I thought of the words of the Apostle Peter. His uh, second letter, first chapter, he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and goodness. I thought of the Apostle John's passion for Jesus, and you can hear it in his first letter. He says, this word of life that has appeared, we, we saw Him. We, we touched him. We heard him. This is the word of life, and our fellowship is with him. That's why we're fixing our thoughts and our eyes on Jesus these days especially. The Apostle Paul said, you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's profound. Last week, I shared a C.S. Lewis quote. It's our call to surrender our lives to him. It's the path to life. Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life, and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find life eternal. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him everything else thrown in. I believe that with all my heart. Follow Jesus, my friends. Be like Jesus. Let him be the head of the church. Let him be the heart of your faith. Years ago, in fact, it was January 2019, just before COVID, I uh, remember sitting in uh, the room over our garage in our house back in Maryland, and I had just listened to a 
uh, a song, uh, What a Beautiful Name It Is, video uh, of that. And I, I got to, to thinking and praying about, uh, you know, what's the bottom line in life? What's, what's, what's the key to everything? And I'm always trying to come back to, to, to center myself. And that day, and I have this card in my Bible, uh, and I've got a picture of it up there for you. I asked myself, what, what's the key? And this is what God seemed to say to me. Get close to Jesus. I asked myself that day, the key to what? The key to everything. I wrote down on this card, to sharing my faith, to wanting to do that, to staying on track, to being encouraged. It, it's the key to, to passion, to, to loving my neighbor as myself. It's the key to everything. Just get close to Jesus. And uh, on that day in January 2019, I said, I should precede every message I ever preach with that, that message. Get close, get close to Jesus. That's what I want to do. And I'm still, still getting there, I think. Yeah. That was like pre-message message. I was at no extra charge. It might be the best thing here today. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm stirred. Karl Barth, greatest theologian, uh, comes to mind of the 20th century, wrote volumes. Must have had a brain about this big. And he was asked one day, what's the greatest truth you've ever come to know? And you know what Karl Barth, the greatest theologian of the 20th century, said? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Praise be to his name. Well, this is Palm Sunday. It marks the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, the four Gospels devote really a large portion of their record to this last week of Jesus' life and ministry before his death and resurrection. John's Gospel devotes almost half of that whole record to this last week. Luke's Gospel, uh, a quarter. And it's no wonder because Jesus' death and resurrection, and I would add his ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit, are the pivotal events in all of human history. Do we believe that? The pivotal events, the, the future of the whole human race hinges on what we remember this week. And I would suggest that the epicenter of all that is the cross. No wonder the ground shook and the earth grew dark and the dead were stirred and the veil of the temple was rent in twain. <laughs> it was on the cross that the victory was won. Death was the path to life, not only for Jesus, but for all of us. It's why the Apostle Paul, to go back to last Sunday, resolved to know nothing more among the church than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We'll come back around to the cross in the message today. But I'd like to walk through uh, what we now know as the triumphal entry recorded here in Luke chapter 19 and in the other Gospels. And I want uh, this message today and the questions that I'll suggest we, we answer this week to be our entry into this uh, final week of Jesus, into this holy week. So we'll begin at verse 28 in Luke chapter 19. Luke 19 of verse 28. 
After Jesus had said this, and this is the parable of the minas, or in other portions of the gospel, the parable of the talents. He's just gotten done telling that. Just a fun little side note. How many remember who the three women were here at WP NAS that took the parable of the talents challenge back in the summer? Do you remember that? Took, uh, I think, what was it, $5, $10, $20 or something? Who can, who, who can tell me? Leslie, Bernie, Kanisha, very good. Now, see, you guys will be remembered long after Pastor Ben and Pastor Kelly are gone. They'll remember you. Yeah, they did a great job. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Think about Jerusalem, the city that King David in the golden age of that nation chose as his home and the capital. The city where Solomon built that tremendous temple that was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The holy city, the center of Israel's worship and life. And still yet today, it's remarkable that little Israel and that uh, city of Jerusalem, uh, a place of pilgrimage for the three major world religions and the really the center of so much global political uh, stuff. <laughs> he went on up to Jerusalem, 10 chapters earlier, and fast at approaching the time of his suffering, Luke's gospel says, Luke 9, 51, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus knows his time has come, and he has uh, once again, as he has done all along, approached the city limits determined and desiring to do God's will no matter the cost. I'm reading a book that uh, the Carries gave me titled 558 Days, the story of Pierre and Yolandi Corky, kids Peter and Lisa, South Africans who felt God's call to travel to Yemen to teach there, to learn the language, to help the people, and in doing that, show and tell the gospel. In 2013, uh, those parents, Pierre and Yolandi, were kidnapped by radical Muslims. Uh, several months later, Yolandi was released after an horrendous captivity, and Pierre, about a year later, was killed. It's quite a story of about halfway through. Uh, the Carries know Yolandi personally. In fact, three months before their captivity, uh, George was sharing meals with that couple in Yemen. I thought about them as I thought about this portion of Jesus' story. Determined to show and tell the gospel in a country where they knew they would be at great risk. Determined at whatever cost. God's plans will play out differently for each of us. Not all of us will be martyrs. But whatever his will is, we will need the same desire and determination as the Corkies or as Jesus. Here's the first of the questions I'm challenging us with as we move into and through Holy Week. What are you determined to do and to be 
regardless of the cost. Verse 29 in Luke chapter 19. As Jesus approached Bethphage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Here's another uh, bit of an aside. What's missing in that uh, triumphal entry account that perhaps the other Gospels have? Anybody notice? No palms. If we only had Luke's account of the triumphal entry, this would be Cloak Sunday. I'm glad Matthew and John pitched in the palms. <laughs> it strikes me that Jesus' entry was planned. Perhaps the owners of the colt were in on it. And I ask myself again, why this kind of entrance into Jerusalem? What did it mean? Well, Jesus knew the Scriptures, including those that anticipated Messiah. And somewhere along the line, Jesus came to recognize that he was that Messiah. Can you imagine that moment? Jesus as a young boy studying the Scriptures and coming to that growing awareness that what he read in Zechariah and Isaiah and Jeremiah were about him. He planned his entrance into the holy city when he knew his time had come. He did that to fulfill the scriptures. Among other things, this story highlights the importance of the scriptures. Think about how many times in the Gospels and in the New Testament generally, we hear either Jesus or the disciples saying, as it is written, or so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. God had long ago anticipated these days, and now they were here. Here's the second question for the week ahead as we fix our thoughts and eyes on Jesus. What are some things you do every day in obedience to the Scriptures? And I actually ask that question to encourage you. Once in a while, I have a conversation with someone that didn't have the opportunity to perhaps grow up knowing the Scriptures, grow up in a Christian home grow up in the church, and sometimes for those of us that have grown up uh, knowing Jesus and knowing this Word, we take for granted the difference that He makes. Have you stayed faithful to your spouse this past week? Have you lived by the golden rule, treat others the way you would have them treat you? Do you sponsor a child and in that way remember the poor? You're living by the Scriptures. Give God thanks. But here's a question I want you to write in that I didn't include. What place do the Scriptures have in your life these days? Let's consider that this Holy Week. 
In their gospel accounts, Matthew and John specifically record Zechariah's prophecy. We heard Scott read it earlier. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey, ridden hundreds of years before Christ. It occurs to me that Jesus didn't come riding in on a white stallion with Maui Jim sunglasses, rock and roll music blaring and fist pumping. He came humbly on the back of a young donkey. Third question for this Holy Week for us. Is there anywhere that pride is rearing its head in your life these days? Anywhere you need to humble yourself like Jesus did. I'm glad I don't have any problem with pride. I'm pretty proud of that, actually. Pride is always just coming back, isn't it? We have to humble ourselves before the Lord. Among other things, Jesus' humble entry would have been evidence that Messiah was not the military, political Messiah that was popularly expected to come and defeat Rome and deliver God's people from Roman rule. Jesus came humbly, yet he came as king, not to defeat Rome, but to defeat the enemy of our souls, not to deliver Israel from Roman rule, but to deliver all people from their sins. Praise be to his name. Jewish people gathering for the feast of Passover would have recognized the prophecy, known the word of the Lord through the prophet Zechariah. They would have recognized Jesus that day. Verse 37, when Jesus came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now the other three gospels include the familiar shouts of Hosanna. Luke was the only Gentile writer, and so he's got a different audience, and maybe that's, uh, that's the account for some of the differences. But Hosanna means save, save us, and became an exclamation of praise among the Jews. Here was the Messiah they believed would save them. We like this scene, right? I mean, this is, this is good stuff. This is highlight reel material right here. And I think the disciples liked it, too. I think all along they're wondering, okay, when are we going to start kicking you-know-what? When, when's the Messiah going to get after these Romans? I mean, they were still in that kind of mindset. And, and no doubt that day they're saying, yes, now we're getting it done. They're, 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 oh, man, they're excited. But, of course, it wasn't going to play out that way. But there was that they genuine praise, genuine faith, genuine recognition of who Jesus was. 
along that road that day, there was unhindered celebration and praise. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people, expectant, hopeful, believing that Jesus was that Christ. And the Pharisees, they didn't like it. Can you just picture them? Everybody else, woo, singing, and praying. I'm looking out right now. Anybody like that? I couldn't help but think of King David's undignified worship of God as they brought the Ark of the Covenant into that holy city of Jerusalem, and Michal, his wife, didn't like that either, right? Jesus said, if these people keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I don't know if you remember this, and I didn't preach a typical Palm Sunday message last Palm Sunday, but I do remember saying that if that ever happened, this is where I'd want to be, right here in Colorado, right here in, in the Rocky Mountains. I snapped some pictures. That would be uh, those. That's my children's choir, upper right. That's the adult choir, upper left. I'm thinking this is a bass rock right here. I don't know. I, I had a little fun with that. But I hope that never happens here or anywhere, right? I keep thinking about a conversation that I had over lunch with a friend of mine that doesn't yet believe there's a God. And I asked him, what's your explanation for the origin of things? He said, quantum physics. We talked about that a little bit. And then we had lunch a few weeks later. He said, I've got something interesting to, to share with you. I've been reading more about quantum physics. And some of the recent uh, studies are beginning to indicate some kind of uh, some level of consciousness even in inanimate objects. And I wish I could explain that to you today. I haven't quite gotten my arms around that, and it's not the kind of consciousness that we think of as human beings, but some kind of consciousness at a, at a very molecular level that even the rocks and the trees and, and all these uh, other things in, in the world Those discoveries in science may help us appreciate even more words like Colossians 1.17, Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. <laughs> That's awesome. In fact, my friend that doesn't yet believe in God said, hmm, that's starting to sound a little bit like God. I didn't even have to say it. Romans 1.20, all creation makes known the invisible qualities of God. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's not just us that are singing his praises. It's all of creation. That's awesome. And if we ever stop, they'll be singing all the louder. That the rocks would cry out tells us that God must be and will be praised. That one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But back to Jesus in this triumphal entry, he wasn't looking for praise for himself. He let the celebration run free because those shouting, praising, parade route people recognized the Lord's coming, recognized God's king, recognized the fulfillment of promise and the realization of hope. Here's our fourth question for this holy week. How is God getting the glory and the praise 
for what he's doing in your life or for what you're doing for his glory. At verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. That's quite a picture there. Everyone else whooping it up, praise and shouts and singing and dancing. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the day of God's coming to you. It's almost certain that Jesus was anticipating the destruction of the holy city that would occur about 40 years later, 70 A.D. I want to read a few paragraphs from the Jewish historian Josephus after that occurrence. He writes, in the year 66 A.D., the Jews of Judea rebelled against their Roman masters. In response, the emperor Nero dispatched an army under the generalship of Vespasian to restore order. By the year 68, resistance in the northern part of the province had been eradicated, and the Romans turned their full attention to the subjugation of Jerusalem. The Roman legions surround the city and began to slowly squeeze the life out of the Jewish stronghold. By the year 70, the attackers had breached Jerusalem's outer walls and began a systematic ransacking of the city. The assault culminated in the burning and destruction of the temple that served as the center of Judaism. Most of the slain were peaceful citizens, weak and unarmed, and they were butchered where they were caught. The heap of corpses mounted higher and higher about the altar, a stream of blood flowed down the temple steps, and the bodies of those slain at the top slipped to the bottom. While the temple was ablaze, the attackers plundered it, and countless people who were caught by them were slaughtered. There was no pity for age, and no regard was accorded rank. Children and old men, laymen and priests alike, were butchered. Every class was pursued and crushed in the grip of war, whether they cried out for mercy or offered resistance. And somehow that day as Jesus entered the holy city, he saw that. He saw it coming. And he knew it was the end result of their sin and rejection of God's Messiah because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And indeed, that pattern of disobedience and rejection and the consequent destruction of cities and the exile of their people littered the historic landscape of Israel. And it grieved Jesus. There at that turn in the road, when the city came into sight, and Jesus, knowing what had been and what would be, he wept. Surely God must grieve over the suffering in the world. And we do too, don't we? How many wept as they heard reports coming out of Nashville this past week? 
here's what we need to recognize, my friends. That all of that trails back. Every bit of suffering in this world. Every war. Every broken relationship. Every ounce of pain. Trails back to a disregard of God. And His commands for us. And the life that He wants to restore us to. Every bit of it. And on the brighter side, it's, it's good to remind ourselves that our youth group and that Sunday school class you teach and those babies you hold and every bit of ministry that we're about in this church and every bit of obedience that we live out in our lives is preventing a school shooting and perhaps poverty. Or divorce. God has leaned into this world that he's made. And he said, guys, here's how it works. Here's how to make the most of it. Here's how to protect what's sacred and good. So don't underestimate what you're doing in that Sunday school class. Or at that youth group. The fifth question of the week when we remember Jesus' suffering and his death for the sins of the world, who or what are you weeping over these days? How are you grieving the consequences of sin in the world and perhaps in the lives of those you love? And what are you doing about it? We should grieve. There are things that should make us angry and sad, sad enough to get out there and make a difference. Verse 45, when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. There were those in the temple courts selling various animals to be offered as sacrifices in the temple. Why did Jesus drive them out, turn over tables? I mean, he was unhinged. No, I don't think he was unhinged. It was a righteous anger, rarely seen in Jesus' life, maybe twice in the Gospels. There's evidence that there was price gouging going on. That's a bummer. But given the word of the prophets that Jesus quotes, the larger issue was that the whole purpose of the temple had been lost. It was intended to be a place of worship and prayer. Isaiah adds, for all the nations, it had become a circus. It's been asked, would Jesus have any similar reaction to any of our places of worship? I hope not here. I had a new question pop in my head this year. Our uh, bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit now. Are these houses, houses of prayer? Question six for this final week of reflection and repentance and preparation that comes with this Lenten season. What place does prayer have in your life these days? Verse 47. Every day Jesus was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Think about that. Trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. How could religious people, religious leaders, get to the place of plotting to kill a man? You ever thought about that? 
Here's the answer. A little bit at a time. One compromise, one unchecked sin, one little bit of pride, one errant belief. All of Judaism had gotten to a place where it had lost its way. That doesn't happen in a second. It doesn't happen overnight. One little bit at a time. I'm going to add a question that I didn't include. Write it down in that insert, would you? Is there anything at all in your life right now that is missing the mark of God's good, pleasing, and perfect will? Any little bit of compromise, any little bit of wrong thinking that you recognize that you're not confronting, turning from, confessing to God, or confessing to a trusted fellow believer? Is there anything that this week, today, you need to face before you get to a place that you never would have dreamed you'd get to? They were trying to kill Jesus, and they did. That Friday at the ninth hour, three in the afternoon, Jesus breathed his last. Well, most Palm Sundays over the course of my ministry, I've tended to hurry past this praise parade, I like to call it, the triumphal entry. And most Palm Sundays through the years, I've uh, spent more time at the cross. I've spent more time with Jesus' entry into Jerusalem today than most years. I guess most years I spend less time on the triumphal entry because it's so short-lived. Even on Easter, after celebrating the resurrection and preaching about the resurrection we're going to circle back to the cross. Lord willing, and I can remember it on Wednesday when we send out our weekly word of encouragement, I'm going to put a link in there to Peter Marshall's message titled, Were You There? Peter Marshall, a Presbyterian Scottish minister of the 20th century who for years served as U.S. Senate chaplain, and it's one of the best messages I've ever heard. I listen to it every Holy Week. Were You There? And at the end of that message, he prays this prayer. O Lord Jesus, have mercy upon us. Grant us thy forgiveness. Make our hearts to be contrite before thee, and by thy grace, make us clean. This week, let's spend time with these questions. Let's ask God to search our hearts. Let's humble ourselves in his presence. Let's turn to him. And let's give him thanks for what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Rejoice in the hope we have in the resurrection and experience his love. Amen? And what better way to begin all that by coming to his table and holy communion today. Praise be to his name. From Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the 11th chapter. He writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In just a moment, we'll invite you forward to receive a bit of bread dipped in a cup of juice, and in that way, remember the broken body and shed blood of Christ. I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to invite those that are serving you to come. I'll serve them, and then we'll invite you to the table. Father, we thank you for your word. Paul said that everything is written, was written for our encouragement, that we might have hope. I pray that that would be true today, Father, even as we ask ourselves some hard questions, open our hearts and lives, lifestyles up to your examination, that, Father, we would recognize that even your discipline and rebuke is for our good, that, in fact, Father, dying to sin and to our Self-centeredness is the path to a life that you want us to have that's abundant and free and forever. We come humbly to your table today, ask for your forgiveness for any sins that we've not yet confessed to you. And we claim your promise that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We come boldly, uh, Father, because you've invited us. I pray that everyone here today would experience your love and grace as we remember Jesus together. I pray it in his name. Amen. Invite those that are serving you to come. This table, we can begin just from the front, come to the center, and then go back to your seats that way. Amen. Praise be to his name.
if you would stand with me, we're going to just sing the chorus of the new song that we did with you to close out our service, and then Pastor Kelly will come, and she will send us out. just got word that they are allowing the evacuees to move back home. So we thank the Lord for that answer to prayer. This week, as we walk through Holy Week, I encourage you to draw closer to Jesus. And as you draw closer to him, draw closer to those that need Jesus. A verse, one of my very favorite verses, Romans 15, 13, says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have good news to share. We have hope to share to a world that often feels hopeless. Let's go out and share the good news of the gospel with those that need him this week. God bless you and go in peace.